You're listening to the Digital Forensics Files podcast with your host, Tyler Hatch from DFI Forensics. Hello and welcome to the Digital Forensics Files podcast. I am your host, Tyler Hatch. Really excited for today's episode. I'm joined by Britt in Van City, as she's known on Instagram. Britt, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, Tyler. Good, good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm thrilled that you're here. So I found you through Instagram and I find your feed fascinating and your whole personality and lifestyle really fascinating. And I just kind of want to talk to you about some of these things today. Can we start by talking about what you do? You've got a couple of titles, uh, Vancouver Influencer and a Lifestyle Curator. For for those of us who don't really know what that means, can you can you help us understand what those things are? Yeah, so influencer means that, you know, I have quite a large following in the city here um, in Vancouver, and I do a lot of social media stuff um, in regards to influencing. So they call me a micro influencer, which is they put me in that category in the sense of I don't have a million followers on Instagram, but I have enough where I have... um, a lot of content um, engagement and I have a lot of followers. Yes, you do. I have over 10,000 followers and then I have a lot of um, engagement with that. Um, So I do influencing in regards to social media stuff. Um, I consult a lot of companies with their Instagram. Um, I do a lot of events. I influence at events for people as well. Uh, and then the curating lifestyle aspect of my business is um, I do management and some contract negotiations for uh, business people in Vancouver or celebrities. Um, I do public relations, uh, reputation management, and um, do a lot of endorsement deals and bookings. So curating means taking care of something. So um, I just define myself as a lifestyle curator because I kind of deal with somebody's lifestyle um on a management type of um type of things yeah that's wild so one of the things that i've started to do with my podcast although it kind of began out of tech but i just kind of want to talk to interesting people and i'm always thrilled when i see people who pursue these professions or careers or often people just find their way into them and and i just find it so interesting what you do like how did you even develop that role How did you get into this? Well, with the curating lifestyle stuff, um, I've been in the nightclub industry in Vancouver for over 14 years. So working at the nightclubs and just being in the industry, I've gotten to meet a lot of celebrities. I have a lot of celebrity friends. um, And I also worked in law in Vancouver for around over 14 years. And I was the attorney general. I was his assistant for many years. So Mm -hmm. I have the corporate side of lifestyle stuff where, you know, I've just kind of found myself almost, you know, in these kind of situations where, you know, I've either been with a celebrity friend and they needed something. And, you know, I've had the law experience with also the executive assistant uh, corporate experience. And so everybody, you know, that comes into the city, they kind of call me the go-to to to Vancouver. Everybody that comes here, you know, either they need a lawyer or they need a stylist, they need, you know, a driver for the night, they need, you know, Mm -hmm. um, anything, Um, you know, they come to me. So then I, over the years, it just got to a point where I was like, you know, I'm in such a high demand in so many different aspects. I need to turn this into a business where I can actually 
like be lucrative and make some money doing it. Yeah, good for you. That's where I've been at in the last couple of years. Yeah, so. so many things I want to talk about. So you and I share the background in law and the former attorney general that you were the executive assistant for. He's somewhat of a local celebrity, a bit of a rock star in that world too, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's one of the most influential people, I think, in my opinion, that Canada's ever seen, and especially BC because of all the things that he's done for the Indigenous uh, community and also just, um, you know, he's just spoken up when a lot of people haven't and he's, he's really made a mark, um, you know, in this in this province for sure. Absolutely. And, and with a career that wasn't marred in any way with controversy, everybody that I've talked to who's ever had any interactions with him um, just completely say he's a genuinely nice person. He's, he's obviously a sharp, he was a sharp judge. He's a sharp lawyer. Um, yeah, that's, that must be really neat to be on the inside of that relationship for you. That's a lot of fun. Do you ever get um, starstruck by celebrities or are you just sort of over it at this point? Um, I mean, there's times where I get like excited. Um, this past weekend, I just met Janet Jackson. That was really cool. Um, okay. Yeah, like... Um, but I get like more excited. Like I wouldn't say that I don't have moments of like, you know, where it's really exciting, but mm -hmm. I definitely don't, um, don't get starstruck. I don't think, um, I just, just having a lot of celebrity friends and being around a lot of people in the industry, you know, you just re you're, you just really realize how normal of people they really are and how mm -hmm. the image that they portray to everybody is different because it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a brand just like like I have a brand everybody has a brand right so right. Uh, you know and when you get to know these people you just realize like more and more that you know mm -hmm. that well, you know the insides of the industry and stuff like that so. yeah so when we say celebrities you're talking like sports figures and entertainers and actors would that be the big three yeah and from from sports players to to actors, to people in the music industry, and to people in the corporate world as well, like people like Wally and and people really high up um, in the corporate world and in Canada and in Vancouver for sure. That's really interesting. So with your Instagram following, how long did it take you to kind of build that up to, to where you're at now with all these followers and the engagement that you get? Yeah, it's taken probably since the beginning of Instagram, like I've been consistent on there since day one. Um, and I, from the beginning, I just really saw the, um, I really saw what it was going to become. Um, I think before everybody else kind of did. And I think just naturally it happened for me because of, you know, the content that I post, the places that I go, you know, I've had lots of celebrities post me on theirs. Um, and that helps obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, and just like my tags and places that I go and stuff like that, like, you know, that builds your, that builds your following. But all, I think like back to your question of just like, you know, how long did it take? It, it's taken since the beginning, definitely. Um, but I feel like probably the last four years is when I had like a huge push. Um, right with followings good for you i i i aspire to be a micro influencer one day I'm, I'm still hovering around the 500 followers mark not that it's really about that i mean instagram for me wasn't on my radar until i started my business about a year ago and i really only got an account for my business because i thought it was another backlink which would help with seo and all these silly things but honestly i love instagram now and i have a personal account too and 
out of all of the social media platforms, the most direct contracts that I've gotten is from Instagram. And it's really cool because I, with the whole hashtag thing and you can follow things that you're interested in by hashtag and follow people. I just think it's really a unique platform. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, I try to educate these businesses and entrepreneurs that come to me and, and, you know, like it blows my mind how many people still just don't have an Instagram page or they don't know how to use it or they don't Mm -hmm. know how to engage on it. And so that's where my services come along where it's like, you know, teaching people the importance of, you know, how this is basically a free website for you. And there's billions of people on this platform. And I mean, you could message, you know, a hundred people a day and say, you know, about your business or whatever. And, and like, I don't think, I think people are going to grasp it still. It's still taking some time, but um, I think in the next few years, you know, there's no way, no, if you have a business, you you should not have an there's no reason you should not have an Instagram page. That's for sure. I agree hundred percent. What did you see in it that made you think it was going to be something big one day? I think it was like Facebook to me. Like I felt like it was a new kind of Facebook. Mm-hmm. It had so many different aspects to it. than Facebook did. Um, Facebook was really like, you just added people that you knew on there. Right. So it was yeah. like a kind of around like your family and your friends and like high school people, but like Instagram's like, you have access to like celebrities on there. You have access to like billions of people on there. Like, I mean, you know, you could just look up a hashtag and boom, you could meet like if you're in a city and you don't know where to go or you want to go to a nightclub and you could just hashtag that nightclub and like 10, you know, to how, however many people will come up. You could message somebody simply and say, you know, I wanted to go to this club tonight. What's it like? Like yeah. the opportunities and the openness of just, like all these people on this platform, it's, it's crazy, you know, like, um, and I think I just always, I think genuinely this is just part of my path. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of really worked out for me very well. Um, and, but yeah, I mean, I think I just, I think from the beginning, I just always kind of saw it as like, you know, another avenue to, um, to social, be social and just, yeah, your content is so good. I, I find it so interesting your whole persona, I I know we kind of had a little bit of a discussion when we were talking about doing this podcast, but you've got a really cool, bold style. You've got tattoos, you've got braids at times, and you know, it's, you're a really unique person and you, you just seem really humble and genuine and real to me. And I like that. And even the fact that I was able to just message you on Instagram and it's turned into you talking to me right now on the podcast that's just so cool. And you've got this vibe about you. That's just a real genuine, cool thing. But on the bad side of social media, you must get some people who kind of give you some attention that maybe you don't want. Yes. What are those experiences like? Yeah. And I try to educate people about that as well. Um, you know, you just got to ignore it. Um, I'm just really good at just not like, I actually think some of it's funny. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been times where I've had, you know, guys message me about, you know, inappropriate things, or I've had, you know, people just message me about, you know, something that I said, or, you know, like, or tell me that I'm ugly or whatever the case is, you know, and like, and that's the thing is like, so there's positives to social media and there's negatives to social media, but I really hold on to all the positives. Um, I don't really hold on to the negatives 
And, you know, it's so easy. You can just block that person in two seconds, you know, and you never have to talk to them. They never have to see your stuff again. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I don't engage in arguments on there either. I've never been like that. Um, yeah. But I understand how a lot of people can. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely encountered a lot of um, weird stuff on there for sure. Any notable ones that kind of stick out in your mind that you feel like sharing? Um, I mean, I've had people like send me like pictures of their private parts before, like stuff like yeah. that, like just out of the blue, like, you know, just mm. like, you know, it's just, and to me it's crazy. Cause it's like, you know, I could post that photo, you know, I could say something about you, about that photo, you know, and, yeah. and, but like, I would never do that, but you know, it's just some, yeah. I mean, it, that's the thing is there's so many people on there and there's so much access to, to you as a person, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but you can either just like, you know, take the positive and move on or you can take the negative with it. And, and I, I definitely take the positive for sure. I love that approach. It's, it's inspiring. I'm sure that rubs off on a lot of other people and there's no point in getting into that kind of stuff anyway. It's just too Mm -hmm. negative. Yeah. And I was actually like years ago, um, years ago I was put on this website called the dirty. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I have heard of it. Yeah. Some of our clients have been yeah. So assassinated on that site. It's vicious. I was actually one of the first people from Vancouver put on there. Um, really? and I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Like people could not believe that I like that. It did not bother me. And mm-hmm. I, th- and I read all the things that the person had said about me on there and they had some pictures of me just out and about like just normal photos or whatever. And I thought, you know, if this person had said something really genuinely like, about my character or something that I'd done to somebody that wasn't true or like really like, you know, the things that they said were just ridiculous. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I think I would have been more offended if like they, if there was actually some truth to what they were saying. Um, right. but it was just so ridiculous to me that I was like, I thought it was hilarious. Like, and so what I did was I took that situation and I reposted it on all my social and I, and I used it as an example to teach other people that, you know, some people might not take that the way I took it. You know, some, some teenage girl might actually consider killing themselves over something like that, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and I just wanted to teach other people that, you know, anybody at any point in their life, whether they have an Instagram page or not. I mean, if, if Rosie that sits beside you in your class doesn't like you, she could just pull out your, your, your graduate picture and put it on a website and say whatever she wants about you. Right. So you really can't stress about those things and you can't, you can't let those things affect you because at any point, at any time, people can do those things to you. Right. I mean, good for you for being that, you know, leader and, and beacon of hope for people. Cause not a lot of people do when, especially young people, because when their life is so wrapped up in their social status, they really, really take it hard. And when people assassinate their character online, it gets ugly and they get depressed. And like you say, they think about killing themselves and people have killed themselves. And it's, it's really, it's really sad. It's one of the most tragic things I see in my line of work. Yeah. I think it's very sad too. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole, the dirty thing that there's a, that's one of the examples that came up recently for us where I just think, you know, people apply their talents or their skill set to, to creating something that's just a negative stain on the world. Like what, 
what possible value does a site where you can just go on and just trash somebody's character? Yeah, I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, and I mean, when that had happened, nobody had even heard of this website before. I hadn't even heard about it. It was somebody from high yeah. school that had messaged me randomly and said, "Did you know you're on this website?" And I was like, "I didn't even know what the hell this was." So I went on there and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like now that website's something of the past. I mean, people don't even entertain that website anymore. But at that yeah. time it really turned into like, you know, Instagram wasn't even really a thing then. And, mm -hmm. and so it was just this new thing where people were just like, Oh my God, like if I, you know, it was just the biggest thing. Now it's like, you know, it's people aren't, people aren't going to pay any mind to that. Um, right. but it's, it's pretty, pretty sad that people would do that to other people. And even if they didn't like them, you know, you don't, yeah you know, it's yeah. And a lot of people want to sue Nick Ritchie and they want to sue, sue the, the website and da da da, mm -hmm. but you know it, that it gets. I mean, as soon as you're willing to share pictures of yourself on the web on on online, I mean, that's a wrap. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't really, you can't yeah. really um, do anything about it. So no, you can't. No, not really. Have you always been that kind of person who's a compassionate person? You care about others and you try to use your own experiences to benefit other people. I think so. I think from a young age, um, I always was like that. Um, but I definitely went through times of, of where I was really angry or I even bullied people in school. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had it tough when I was growing up, you know, I, I really wasn't happy. Um, where did you grow up? I grew up in North Delta. Okay. And I was going through, um, you know, I, I was molested at a very young age. So going through school, I was dealing with po post-traumatic stress disorder and anxiety yeah. disorder and all these things that I didn't even know existed and didn't even know I was going through that. And, and so I was very angry and I took it out on a lot of people and I wasn't right. the nicest kid all the time. Um, but, um, you know, once I finally stood up to my abuser and, uh, got a community of women around me that had been abused by him too. That's kind of where my perception changed and where I realized um, that it's important to to share your story because if I hadn't yeah. shared my story, how many other girls would he have done it to, right? So Absolutely, because you were the first one, right, that came forward? I was, but the police did tell me at the time that they had been investigating him for a long time, but they were just waiting for some missing pieces. And I was kind of the missing piece to that. So, um, really? and once I came out, a lot of other people came out and still to this day, there's a lot of girls that I know that haven't said anything because they were never comfortable doing that. And that's fine. Uh, mm -hmm. not everybody's always going to be able to, to, um, be open and, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really sorry that happened to you. You, I hope I hope you're getting through it as best you can. And it certainly seems like you are. And turning something like that into a positive is completely amazing, and that's very inspiring. What inspires you in in your life? What inspires me? Um, I think just um, I think what inspires me is just is me literally hearing other people's stories. Um, yeah. hearing your story inspired me. Um, mine's a dandy. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's, there's so much that I want to ask you. Um, and because even though I've healed and I've forgiven, you know, my abuser, 
I still struggle with things in life and I always will. And we all have new things that happen to us. Um, you know, life isn't just going to be a smooth road. Right. Um, yeah. but I think the things that inspire me the most are just hearing other people's stories and, um, seeing people do good in the world and the trans community inspires me. Um, I have a little, yeah. I have a trans little brother that I mentor, um, and just working with the youth, the trans youth inspires me heavy too. Um, yeah. they, you know, they go through so much, um, struggles and pains and, and especially with social, um, oh, yeah. you know, and all the things that they have aspects or they have, um, at their fingertips now, you know, so. Right. The, the conversation about the trans community seems to be fairly mainstream right now. I don't know if the attitudes are changing. What, what's your sense? Or is it getting easier for the trans community to be, to be accepted and come forward and just live the life they want to live is who they are? I think that it's, it's moving. Um, I mean, there's so, I, I just, until I can actually literally, you know, see a huge change, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, you know, when it comes to, there's so many issues that they have from like, you know, using an appropriate bathroom that they identify with, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, school, like the problems that they have at school and, just the community accepting them, you know, um, you know, there has been milestones, but there's a long way to go. Um, there's a long way to go. And I really want to be an ally for them. And I really want to, to see some change, not only in Vancouver here locally, but in the world, you know, um, I really want to stand up for these kids and I really Uh want to see, see some, some more change, but yeah, I think, I think it's gotten, gotten better, but, uh, you know, there's a long, long way, you know, it's still not even, you know, gay, just generally gay, um, community still has it tough, you know, um, yeah, yeah. trans is, is, they have it, they have it really tough too. So Mm -hmm. I, um, my observation is that there's, there's almost like a backlash that I'm observing these, these people who are you know, backlashing against the pride events and saying that one of the stupidest arguments that anybody can say to me is that there should be a straight pride parade. I mean, that just, I don't know if anybody's ever mentioned that to you or, or, or tried to swing that argument, but it just, it's so ridiculous. It, it, I'm done dumbfounded when I see intelligent people make that argument. And I just, yeah, I, like I mean, it. don't go and, or don't support or whatever, but to actively rebel against it, I, I can't understand that mentality. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's where like love and compassion needs to come in is that the, mm. these people that say those type of things, I mean, they must be going through something in their own life that, and that's not an excuse and I'm not making an excuse up for any of these people, but I mean, like to not support somebody in any regard, I mean, why not? You know, like, I mean, what is, what is the pro? I mean, if, if you were to confront somebody who said something like that, something so ignorant mm-hmm. like that, I bet you they wouldn't even know how to answer that, you know, like, right. you know, they don't understand what trans people go through. They don't understand what gay people go. Through. They don't understand what, what other races go through, obviously, if they're going to sit yeah. there and say something like that, you know, and I love to challenge people like that. Actually, those are the kind of discussions I love to have because Mm-hmm. I want to hear those people's stories and I want them to explain to me why they feel that way because 
you know, the discussion needs to be open and yeah. the, the discussion needs to be had so that maybe, maybe they do need to, to be talked to and to understand, you know, why pride is important. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you always been like a really photogenic person? I'm just sort of cruising your Instagram right now. And, and oh God, no, you know, no, that's the beauty of Instagram though. You can make yourself <laughs> look any way you want, right? <laughs> if you're having a bad day, you can just, you know, filter that photo or whatever. And I don't, and I don't deny that, you know, um, a lot of uh, influencers on social media, they, they paint this, this perfect thing. And that's the thing that I've always mm-hmm. been so authentic on there is that I'm not perfect. And if I filter a photo, I filter a photo because I feel shitty that day or yeah, I don't right. like Nothing how I looked that. or, you know, it's, it's just not realistic. And I don't want to paint that picture for kids. And I don't want to paint that picture for anybody because that's, that's, you know, they, these kids look at these photos and they think, Oh my God, like, you know, this person has it made or, you know, but it's mm-hmm. never what it, what it seems to be, you know? Um, right. So look, when you're on social media now, you're obviously a very beautiful girl. You've got great style, all this kind of stuff. But I imagine through the course of your life, you've struggled for acceptance in your own right. And just in the sense that you have, you know, these tattoos in a very corporate environment, you're not in it anymore. But when you were working in law, that's a very rigid corporate stuffy environment at times, particularly at the times where you probably began your career. Mm -hmm. You know, what was that experience like? Well, I definitely had times where people would, you know, tell me to cover my tattoos or to dress a certain way, or I couldn't have my hair a certain way or whatever. Um, And I just always was myself. I always worked hard and I just kind of like, I had times where I was really discouraged. I felt like, I've never really felt like I felt, I've never really truly felt like I actually fit in the corporate world anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why I mainly got out of the corporate world. Um, I just don't agree with a lot of the the corporate bullshit. Um, And just like, you know, I don't feel like a girl should have to be dressed up every day at work. I mean, I just don't think it's comfortable. I don't want to be in a skirt every day. And it's just those little things. And I feel like they, I feel like a lot of corporate companies is just like, there's so many like old white men running them that just are stuck in the eighties and don't, they're not going running with the times and you know like my tattoos and my looks have nothing to do with my work ethic and who I am as a person but you know I have had a lot of amazing people in the corporate world who've you know really vouched for me and no matter who is giving me backlash about you know the tattoo I got over the weekend that it was on my hand or something Mm -hmm. you know it was like my work spoke for itself and and the people around me really supported me as well so um it obviously must have done that because you had a very long, successful career with high-level law firms in Vancouver. So obviously, people were recognizing you on your talents and on your merit, which is awesome to see. Um, but did you ever experience something where you had to choose between your job or it was close to choosing between your jobs and just being yourself? Yeah, I mean, I've been like blatantly not hired at a law firm because of my looks. So Is that right? I mean... When you say blatantly, like, did they actually say I mean, tattoos are a problem? I mean, there was conversations had where like, I know that that's what it was, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't, 
but like, and I try to tell people, they're like, oh, well, I can't get a tattoo here because I'm not going to get the job that I want or whatever. And I get that. I get, I get that people um, feel that way. But for me, it was always, you know what, then this isn't the job that I want. I don't want to work here. Uh, I don't want, you know, and I always kept that perspective and I was always resilient and I was like, okay, well then this is what the universe is saying On to the next. Right. And I just never, I just went on to the next job interview and, and then look at like, you know, I remember this one time this place didn't hire me because of, you know, my looks, they'd made a couple comments in the interview, like, you know, you do have a lot of tattoos, blah, 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 you know, and it was just kind of like, I don't even know why we would even talk about that. It's like, it's like if somebody has red hair, they're not gonna say, well, you do have red hair, you know, like, it's like, why would you be having that conversation if it wasn't an issue? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like, I remember right after that, I felt really discouraged. And I just felt like, you know, I was like, this is all the experience that I have, though, like, I've been in law for how many years? And, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember I went into uh, my job interview at Boughton and that's where Wally was. And Wally was like, I'd known him through my criminal work back in the day. And he was like, well, you need to come work for, he, I'd ran into him in the, ele- in the elevator that day. He said, well, what are you doing in the building? And I hadn't seen him in many years. I said, well, I'm going, I went for an interview about, and he was like, well, you need to work for me. Like if you're going to be working uh-huh. here and then, you know, you can be so discouraged one minute and then everything can turn around the next. Right. So it's yeah. just holding on to that, that hope and that, and that strength that you can find sometimes. And, you know, things will turn around way faster for you than you think. So. Right. That's amazing that you keep that outlook. It's so great. It's hard, but I, I keep it you know for sure we're all human and we have emotions and it does get hard but just to to be able to constantly find that strength because it's there if you want to see the positive you can see it and if you want to turn you know your your frame of mind around it's quite possible it's just really hard it's very hard yeah it's very hard it's way easier just to be the negative than the positive because you know it's way easier to be that way right and and it's hard to be positive because you can't see it right in front of you sometimes or you can't see it in front of you most of the time so you know, Mm -hmm. what you're seeing or what your dreams are, what your thoughts are. But if you can keep that energy and that fear out of your energy and you can stay as positive as you can, like I just try to tell people that I promise you things will turn around for you faster than you could ever imagine. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I know like for me, I've I've obviously, my life has taken a path where it hit an extreme low and I'm very much still rebuilding it. And I've come a really long way in the last couple of years, but life is still not easy. I I did a number on myself financially, and so I'm still trying to recover from mm-hmm. that. I've, I'm a year into a new business, and that's always difficult. And I'm wearing, it's a small business, so I'm wearing like a million hats and doing a million things. I'm under a lot of stress and pressure. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, when things go a little off course for me, and, and I have bipolar disorder, so I've got a legitimate mood disorder. Right. And I just... I I find it very difficult to recover and just be positive. And so I go into these funks um, where I get really, really down and I just want to give up and I just spend a day crying or something Mm -hmm. like that. But I've learned over the struggles to pull myself out of it a lot quicker than I used to. I used to kind of give into that feeling and those emotions and I would, I would be really down for a really long period of time to the point where I couldn't even function. And now I've, I've learned to be stronger and I've got some tools in the toolbox that I've, I've acquired over the years and it's, it really, I can pull myself out of it a lot quicker than I, than I used to, but it's still hard. And and when I go into those moods, I mean, I, it's very hard on my wife 
and she feels like she's walking on eggshells and and that kind of stuff with some grumpy guy yeah. you know next to her all the time at home and then i feel guilty about that and and all that kind of stuff so but um yeah I, what the things that you struggled with are are interesting and the fact that you're able to forgive or get past the things that have happened to you are are amazing to me because I had to forgive myself. I, I, I was hard on myself for what I did to myself. And I, I, I ultimately had to forgive myself, but if it was another person, that would have been another, another challenge. So I, I really admire that you were able to pull yourself out of that and and turn something like that into uh, what you have with your life. It's just amazing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's been years of therapy since I was younger. You know, I, I did, I've done cognitive therapy. Um, it's called EMDR. Um, I speak to a lot. That's interesting. Yeah. I speak to a lot of people about that. Um, did it work for you? I mean, 80% of people that do EMDR are completely different person after they do it. Right. So people don't, people don't know that much about EMDR because doctors don't, don't prescribe it to people it's 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 like it's like want to go to like a naturopath or whatever you know it's all right, like, right. holistic it's medicine. frowned upon right it's like and then right. you go to a therapist and then you know people think oh i'm just going to go talk to somebody for an hour it's going to make everything okay it's like there's talk therapy and there's cognitive therapy and when you suffer from things like post-traumatic stress disorder anxiety disorders bipolar disorder orders Cognitive therapy is a quicker way to get the traumas in your brain and the things in your brain to move uh, and to not right. be blocked anymore. And going into your, you mentioning your story about how, you know, you're like, you know, I do still have days of where I get really down, but I get myself out quicker. Um, it's funny that you said that because um, I met a therapist um when I was super, super young, like when I was going through everything, I had like a suicidal moment. Um, I met her and she Mm -hmm. helped me from that moment. And I've had her for about 16 years. Uh, she just passed away in February tragically from cancer. Um, so, and I didn't even know she was sick. She wouldn't even tell me, but I had this person that I've had for 16 years help me with my life through everything, through the hardest things. And now, so since February to now, I've been trying to figure out, I almost went through like a period of time where I just sheer panicked for a month. My anxiety was so bad because I thought, well, can I even live without her? Can I even function without her? Because I've had her for so long. Mm-hmm. Like she's been that thing for me. And now it, yeah. it has been talk therapy for the last few years because the MDR worked so well on me, but Mm -hmm. she's just become like a, you know, a family member to me. And, and so I've been seeing a new therapist and I've been going on this new journey of like meeting somebody new for the first time and, and and telling Mm -hmm. them all my things. And, and the first couple of times I was just like, I I can't do this. This person doesn't understand, blah, blah, blah. Like just, I I was denying the the help from him and it's a male too, which I think is super cool because I was seeing a female. Now I have a male perspective, which is a bit different. And, and, but I, I'd gone into his office on the third time and I'd said to him, you know, I said, I thought I was just going to wake up one day and I was going to be fine. Like, you know, I'm going to, I was like, how many, how many more, I said to him, how many more times do I have to come before everything I'm going to feel okay. And he looked at me and he Mm -hmm. said, well, that's not how grief works. Grief works. That's not how life works. I mean, like, you're not, you're not going to just be healed 
one day and wake up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I never thought of it like that before. I, I literally thought that after all, after Michelle had passed away in February, I thought to myself, okay, like I've done the work, you know, she gave me the tools. Like now I need to like move forward and blah, blah, blah. And, and I am moving forward and I am using those tools, but you know, I still need to speak to somebody because it's very important to me um, to have somebody to yeah. talk to about things regardless. And like, right. but he's bringing such a cool different perspective to things. And also he was like, it's like, I've almost been not addicted to counseling, but I just haven't known anything else. So if I don't have mm-hmm. counseling now, I almost feel like off. You know what I mean? But I actually like, and, and by you saying, well, you know, I still have those days, but I get myself out faster. He's been teaching me different tools just like that. Um, that, you know, when I go into those episodes to really feel those, feel those days that when I'm down and to move, to be able to move forward faster, instead of sitting in that for like, like if I have to feel like that one day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to let myself feel like shitty for 45 minutes. I'm going to dump on everything. I'm going to like just dump on myself, whatever, whatever. (laughs) And then when that 45 minutes is over, I'm going to go on with my day and I'm going to like, I already did it. I'm not going to do it anymore. So it's interesting that you brought that up because that's kind of what I've been struggling with now is just making sure that I don't have a longer than, you know, needed episode and just this new journey of, of, of losing my therapist and having a new one now after so many years, it's, it's a right. new journey for me. And it, yeah. but it's exciting too. So. Yeah, it is. You, you form such a strong bond with your caregivers in mental health. And, and especially when you had yours, did you say 14 or 16 yeah, years? Like, I mean, like that's a long yeah, time. Very, very. You guys have been through a lot of stuff. You've bared your soul, I'm sure over the course of those years. And, and I'm, I'm really sorry for the loss. That's, that's a really difficult thing for you to go yeah. through. I want to talk to you about your your trip to Vegas. You just got back from Vegas, and it looks like you took part in some kind of a, a panel discussion or a forum. What was uh, what was the nature the of that? The forum discussion? was actually here in Vancouver right before I left. Um, oh, was it? Okay, yeah, I'm no sorry. problem. Um, it was um, Empower Her. It's a brand in Vancouver. Um, it's a group of young girls who have PR work, do PR work, and do some media work and stuff like that, and. And so Mm -hmm. I spoke on the panel there just about, uh, they just asked, asked me questions, just, you know, it was a lot of entrepreneurs there and young females that are starting businesses or have businesses and just a really good avenue for women in Vancouver to get together and just talk and learn about, you know, how to build your business. How do you, how do you gain clients? How do you gain confidence? How do you negotiate things? So it was just a lot of questions that they had for me um, in that regard. That's I'm sure you had a lot of value to add. I know one of the things that I always, I didn't really realize it when I was entering the practice of law, but I I look back now and I never had any doors closed Mm -hmm. on me because... And I, I think looking back, the reason is because I'm a I'm a white male, and as long as I didn't say anything stupid, or go dramatically outside of the accepted look and and uh, attitude and behavior, mm-hmm. I was just accepted, and people just you know they they listened to me and they didn't judge me on on my looks. Um, I've been in really good shape. I've been in really bad shape. I've I've had nice suits. I've had shitty suits. Um, and when I went into court and when I went into job interviews, people just listened to me and they, they assessed me based on my merit always. 
And I didn't realize it until several years later when I'm talking to a lot of my female colleagues and they're, they're talking about the fear of going into court or a job interview and, and, and just the thought that goes into their appearance because people, you know, if you're, if you're dressed too nice, they're, they're, you know, judging you on your, on your good looks, or if you're dressed too, too down, they think one way of you. And I just, I've never had to deal with any of that bullshit. I feel really, it makes me sad that these really great women, these really talented people aren't just being accepted for what they've done and what they've learned and the talents that they have. So, um, and, and that's still very much alive today. So I'm, I'm happy to see all the progress and the things you're participating in to, to help female entrepreneurs. Yeah. There's ahead. a lot of firms that, you know, you see an associate that's in the, in the exact same, you know, role as a male, but she doesn't make the same as the male does. What, what is the reason for that? Right. I mean, how many mm-hmm. females do you see as shareholders at corporate companies? Not that many, you know, it's, Not yeah. And it's just, there's so many things in this world still that are just like, it's ridiculous, you know? And, and I, I don't understand it fully. Um, I don't know if I ever will, but you know, if there's anything that I can do in my lifetime to make change in any of these regards, that's, that's where, what I would like to do. You must have a lot of achievements to look, look back on and be very proud of your life and what you've accomplished. What, what would you say is maybe your proudest moment or accomplishment? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think, (laughs) I think I'm just proud of myself for never giving up. I mean, there's no, not a specific moment or anything. It's just that I've gotten through all this shit and that I can talk about it now and that like Mm -hmm. I can help other people. I mean, I think that's the point and I'm just, so proud right. of myself for not giving up. Um, you should be, and you, and not only to survive what you've been through, but to to turn out to be the person that you are. And I don't get me wrong; it's not like I know you or anything like that. But I just I, I have a sense for who you are and the type of person you are that you've learned from your struggles and you've taken all that forward and you've learned the lessons and you've just become a good. You're a really good person, Britt. You're good stuff. Oh man, I'm not perfect, man. I try. I really try. I have so many, you know, I've, I've so many things that I'm working on too. And it, you know, life throws me all the, like, you know, life throws me all this shit all the time still, you know, and I feel like, I feel like it always will. And so it will, yeah. it will, but you're going to battle through it all and you're going to survive and you're, you're going to flourish and you're going to inspire other yeah. people. Um, yeah, I think it's really awesome. So I just wanted to thank you for for coming on the podcast and, and sharing some thoughts with me. I'm sorry it wasn't a little lighter. No, no. I know we talked about a lot of heavy I love stuff. But, the deep uh, shit. I'm totally into it. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> me too. You know what? We'll do a part two where we talk about cat videos and, and the lighter that stuff would be in life. Awesome. Because, but I really you know, <laughs> wanted I want to interview you on your situation. So that needs to be another one too. So Absolutely. Yeah. We'll pick up that conversation for sure. Because I'm like you, I like to talk about my experience and, you know, let people know that you can, you can come back from what seems like a really hopeless situation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, people just don't have to let it get that far. I wish that I had somebody that I could say, oh, they've been through the same thing as I have. And maybe I wouldn't have gone that far down the path. Yeah, there's um, there's the I amazing, did. you know, you wouldn't be but, who you are today if that hadn't happened. So you can't. 
I wouldn't change a thing. I just thank yeah. God that I survived because uh, it was it was actually two years ago, almost to the day that uh, I tried to commit suicide, and I was awfully close to succeeding. And yeah, I just to to come back from it and see where I am today. And I'm not even talking about stuff that I have or or what I'm doing. It's just the person that I've become is the person that I was meant to be. And I figured out a lot of stuff about myself and and what I was doing wrong and identifying with external factors. Like, you know, I, I, I'm not a law degree. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but I identify with all that stuff as, as a young right. professional. And now I'm just trying to be a good person and, and a happy person and somebody who's compassionate and loving and understands others and, yeah, and, man, um, you inspire me yeah. so much. So oh, thank I hope, you for it. I hope we can continue to have a great friendship. Um, and anything that I can do to help you along the way, I'm here. And, and yeah, I just thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I'm just excited for the future. And, and yeah, for sure. You're yeah, stuck with yeah. me now. <laughs> we are. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love it. So, so fantastic. Well, um, yeah, until I meet you again, my friend, I wish you all the best. And thank you again for doing this. It was a wonderful chat. You too. Take care, Ty. See you later.